0: Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword, I'm Dave Tish. You know, when I was younger, I used to love to watch Saturday Night Live and there was a, a, a really kind of famous sketch by one of the 80s cast members named Dana Carvey who created this character called the Church Lady who would look at the public poor behavior of some public figure and wonder aloud who indeed caused that person to make that terrible choice saying again and again, Uh, could it be Satan?
1: And who could have led us into that chasm,
2: Jimmy? Who was behind the wheel of our Lincoln Town car when we drove into the Crazy 8 Motel?
0: (laughs) Who could it be? Who could it be? I just can't imagine who. Could it be Satan? (laughs) That was my exposure, I think, to the idea of Satan or the devil. And, and, or maybe it was the song Devil with the Blue Dress, Blue Dress, Blue Dress, Devil with the Blue Dress on. Maybe it was deviled eggs. Maybe it was the phrase devil, the devil's in the details. Or maybe it was the song The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Regardless, my exposure to the idea of the devil or Satan was pretty pop culture informed and not at all biblical. So that's why we're going to take a little tour this week and dive into the idea of the Satan and the devil. Steve Clifford and Karina Girard are here to kind of guide us through what the Bible says about the devil. And we're going to be focusing primarily on three attributes that Jesus assigns to Satan, that he's a liar, he's a tempter, and he's an accuser. We're going to look at what that means for us in our lives and um, how we can even get victory over that. Very fascinating conversation. So with that, let's just dive right in. Ready to go almost all right
2: just
1: a i have do you have um, talking points no i should I ask mean, you. i just have my my sermon notes but i do have open 50 tabs right now 50 <laughs> 50 tabs on lucifer satan devil seraphim
0: wow all right <laughs> well let's just jump right in um so welcome uh, you, uh, you know in the studio with me, Steve Clifford, Karina Gerrard. You guys don't know this. I was thinking about how to introduce you, and I'm going to introduce you the way that I know how to introduce you. Here's where it is. Do we need? the? You, have, you need no introduction, but here's what you need to know. People talk about both of you, the entire staff behind your back. Here's the conversation. <laughs> here's the conversation. If Westgate Church somehow had a giant royal rumble like WWF, everyone in a cage, and a yes. cage match with the entire staff, who would win? You and want the, Karina on and your the side? The answer for sure. is either Steve or Karina in every staff member's mouth. That's Hands what,
1: down, we two have been in the most fist fights.
0: <laughs> it's unbelievable. so Everyone's afraid of you, and if there was a if there was a cage match, first of all, there, I think most people think that I would probably be um, gone first, and then Jay probably second, <laughs> somewhere in there. David Kim is yeah. David Kim would actually he'd probably be first, but but you guys, everyone says I don't know who would win, but it would be either Steve or Karina. So just so you know, that's what people say about you. No. Let's
2: put that to rest. It, it would be Korean. Yeah.
0: Well, you're getting a little older. <laughs> I
2: am. Uh-huh. <laughs> if the fight lasts more than fifteen seconds, you I'm going to be out of breath and done.
0: So there it is. So we are in the middle of That's a. That's not really ser- encouraging that no. they think of us We're that all. way. Well,
1: no, I'll I, take it. I'll take it. Oh, okay. You're
0: both scrappy. And and bulldogs and I, we just don't think you're gonna you're gonna give up you're gonna that's right. you, you fought too hard in your lives that's right that's that and
1: that's, that's why we've been assigned to talk about the devil. <laughs> now we are
0: us. now we I don't think we've ever in my time here at Westgate talked or spent a whole week talking about the devil. We're talking about this this person and and that's weird to say too a person the devil. Mm. So, first of all, as you were studying this, there's got to be some weird conceptions that you've encountered from people. I think most people either don't believe in the devil or think it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what yeah. kinds of um, misconceptions d- did you have to even untie as you were thinking about this?
2: Well, pretty typical caricatures that, um, you know, some red dude with a pitchfork. And a forked w- tail, uh, right. Yeah, or, or one... Angel talking to you on one shoulder and one angel talking to you on sure. the other. Cronk. Um Yeah, yeah, from Emperor's <laughs> New Groove. Yeah, yeah. So you, you've got, I mean, if you come into it, that I started at zero when I became a Christian. I by becoming a Christian, I'm acknowledging the supernatural. Yes. And since Jesus talks about the Satan more than anybody else, like he's mentioned 28 times, I think, in the New Testament, and 25 of them are by Jesus. So. So that's pretty, I mean, he's, Jesus seems to take him very seriously. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that means, that means that as a follower of Christ, um, it it fits into my package of figuring out how. Of reality. Of reality. Yeah.
1: Right. I'd say it's pretty 50-50. You know, it's interesting because Vintage Faith Church is doing the same series right now, and they're actually doing a book club like parallel to it, and so I was at their book club Tuesday. What's the book they were doing? Uh, supernatural. Oh, by, by Heiser, Michael absolutely. Heiser. yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, it's so funny. There's, what, 15 miles between Santa Cruz and San Jose, but the worldviews are so different, and so there people have a tendency to lean uh, more hardly in the direction of, like, yeah, I believe in the supernatural. The supernatural, like, I get it, and they're actually... C.S. Lewis says, humanity has a tendency towards one of two equal evils. Either one, which is kind of the more San Jose side, to disbelieve the existence of the supernatural. And then Santa Cruz side, to have an unhealthy uh, fascination with it. Um, And And he says
0: both of those are equally equally treacherous.
1: Equally treacherous, absolutely. Because in one, we actually... Um, we fall asleep to the reality of Satan. And if we're asleep to him, then we, there's no defense that we have. We're vulnerable. Right. And then on the other side of that, if we're like fascinated by it, we equally can become prey.
2: Um, we can open ourselves up to influences that we shouldn't mess with. Absolutely. You know?
0: Now, one of the things you just said, which probably struck the audience as very strange, is you said the Satan. Now, now that's one of the things that's probably most jarring is most people think of Satan or the devil as a name. Mm, Yeah. Uh, And one of the things that you're kind of trying to tease out is it's not a name, it's actually a a, a title? A A title. A
2: title? Yeah, I think it's more of a title. And this is really kind of recent um, for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, When I was in seminary, no one made this distinction. Mm -hmm. Um, But as you you parse it out, I mean, it really is that there seems to be all indications are. So, influenced by the Bible Project and Tim Mackey, um, uh, he makes a pretty good case for it. And it's in our resources page. Right. Um, I I don't think it's a big deal. You know, or if you put these, I'm just trying to retrain myself a little bit from it. Um,
1: One of the things I think is really interesting is, you know, I actually, I always thought his real name was Lucifer. Right. And then through my research and preparation for this, I realized that Lucifer is actually from the Latin Vulgate translation of Isaiah that's talking about the morning star, the word for Venus. So that even Lucifer is not his name. In fact, nowhere is he given the dignity of a name. He's only described as the devil, who is the accuser. He's described as the Satan, who is the adversary, and he's described as the morning star. Only descriptions, but not a name, which makes me remember the sermon we did probably a year ago now, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, where Lazarus, this poor man who gets to go to heaven, is, has this name, and I can't rec- recall the meaning of Lazarus, but it's a beautiful meaning, mm-hmm. but the rich man who goes to hell has lost his name. And I I think, like, even I, when I'm I'm writing about um, anything about the supernatural, I have this thing, it's a weird quirk, I will not capitalize devil or Satan. I'm like, you're not worthy of a capital letter. I'm not going to capitalize that. But it's like the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, Never gives him the dignity hmm. of an actual, a name. proper name. Yeah.
0: yeah, it also reminds me of like ex- we talked about this last week with Jay. The Exodus account, Pharaoh is the title, but we don't know Pharaoh's name. Yeah, because it's like it's it's a little bit like sin dehumanizes you or, or, or put, turns you into like a, a non-creature uh, monster kind of thing. Yes, um,
1: and it, I don't want to give you more acclaim. Than you deserve. deserve. Right. Yeah.
0: Because right. they're not on equal footing, Satan absolutely. And, and, and Jesus or Satan and Yahweh. Um, no,
2: absolutely. And sometimes we give Satan, the Satan, a, a little bit too much credit. He becomes omniscient um, and omnipresent. Like he's everywhere. He's, Well, he's not everywhere.
1: Yeah,
2: um, He's very limited um, by those things. And he's very limited by what he can do and what he knows. He obviously doesn't know. Um, some things. The, the greatest example is he, he orchestrates the evil behind the cross. Well, he played right into. Right.
1: He clearly God's, did not realize that real- killing Jesus would was be a his ba- demise. Right. And it's right? exactly what which happened. Which proves, yeah, Satan is not omniscient. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which is great news well, for us. Well, he's a created
0: <laughs> being, which. Which And powerful, but not Yahweh powerful. Absolutely. Okay, so as you were going through this, talk to me uh, about some other stuff that maybe we didn't get to. I, I loved, you kind of outlined um, his the identity of Satan as an accuser, tempter, mm-hmm. and a liar. Yeah. And those three things are kind of core to not just the who he is, but the role he plays in Christians' lives. Yeah. Just what kind of thoughts did you, did, did you guys have about that, that were, were kind of revelations for you as you studied it? Also, it's a little weird to study Satan this long. So weird. C.S. Lewis <laughs> said when he wrote the screw tape letters, it messed him up. Oh, yeah. Because you're kind of delving into a diabolical mindset, right, mm. of, of, of a anti-God mindset. But regardless, the, what kind of insights did you guys have this time as you went through your study on on Satan? The Satan. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I don't know that I had um, any new insights, um, but, I, but I, other than maybe how just how very clear it is when you begin to pull things together, when you begin to pull all of the different passages that name him, and then all of the different passages that, that list his strategies, which a lot of the strategies are actually by his name mm-hmm. or his, the title. Got it. Like an accuser. It reveals Um, the strategy behind. It reveals what what is going on. Kind of like
0: how God's names reveal his character, provider, rescuer, et cetera, et cetera.
2: And the same kind of thing is there for us. And so... um, It has been a weird assignment, you know. Jay made Jay made some jokes at the Toga campus about how you know I'm glad he's glad he could assign this to me.
0: (laughs) um, This just
1: goes in my long list of weird sermons I've been assigned at Westgate.
0: It's like six in a row. It's It's super weird. weird. It's a little weird. Yes, I feel
1: like I'm being hazed a little bit.
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's been
1: years. How can you still be?
0: Well, we're still. I don't. Apparently, we're going to talk about the uh, yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah. (laughs) Next up, but but um it
2: it, the sermon felt very academic to me and and it's because that's where you go to you know i don't want to go to necessarily experiences because those experiences could i could be i could misinterpret them but the scriptures are pretty clear about who um, is against us and how he's working and how serious we should take it so in that sense it it felt more academic to me than uh, some normal messages. Right.
1: I'll be honest, okay? As I was studying, I started to feel um, a sense of strange disappointment. I, I had come to faith out of atheism, right? Uh-huh. And prior to becoming a person of faith, prior to following Jesus, I thought of Christians as morons, intellectual infants who were willing to believe in the easter bunny and the tooth fairy you know and that christianity was a mythological farce and as i met the real risen jesus and approached his word for the very first time i was struck by the the rationalism of god's mm. word mm-hmm. and i loved that it didn't sound mythological to me at all right it sounded so grounded and rooted um and and I' felt that way my whole life until literally this sermon preparation, and all these articles <laughs> and documentaries um, have have, you know, trying to trace, you know, who exactly was the Satan? Where did he come from? Why was he created? How did he and the other Elohim choose to rebel against God? It started to sound more and more and more, Varsical and silly like a greek Hmm. myth or something yeah but then when i turned to the words of jesus okay i'm like i was getting lost really in this like forest of mythology and then i just was like whoa whoa, i just got to put that on the brakes because that's starting to kind of sour me to the beauty of god's word i'm like what is going on here so i just went to jesus words jesus is not weird at all when he talks about the devil huh he doesn't sound mythological at all when he talks about the devil. He's like, look, there's a guy, the devil, he's here to still steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and life abundant. I want you. I need you. I'm inviting you to be awake and alert to the mm-hmm. reality mm-hmm. that there's a spiritual enemy, period. He doesn't need to talk about the seven layers of heaven and the hierarchy of the angels and get into all the weird mumbo jumbo that, if you look this stuff up on the internet, if you start watching YouTube videos... But a
0: lot of it's conjecture, right? It's
1: so much conjecture. Yeah. It's so much conjecture. I'm yeah. so glad that I
2: went a different direction because I just went systematic theology kind of way uh-huh. um, and went into that rather than the YouTube thing, which shows my age probably too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad I am yeah, the other Yeah, I think,
1: you know, if if you become curious about all of this and you start to begin to research this, um, it it can get very confusing. And I think I would encourage you just to turn to the words of Jesus who spoke very often about the devil. He spoke very clearly and in a grounded, rooted, non- weird weird non-mythological weird, kind of way doesn't
2: get angry yeah doesn't have to feel like he has to bow up against this force or anything I, I, part of but if, still real clear but it's like the temptation in the desert he's just super clear with him no i'm not going to do that it says this mm. no it doesn't say that it says this right. and he, and he just takes the word of god and he's so grounded in mm. in it that he doesn't have to yeah. get weird
1: and i think our invitation is filled with the Holy Spirit to imitate his example. Yeah. So I think just staying unafraid, staying awake, staying very rooted in the example of Jesus, calm, cool, collected, confident that God has us. And Jesus said in that same chapter, John chapter 10 says, no one can snatch you out of my hand. The end.
2: And so that's why um, I don't normally... You know, give my notes to a, as a resource to people. So as they go to the resource page, if they if they feel like this is a good time for them, they can just begin to read the passages that are in my notes. And a lot of them
0: we shared, but
2: you can just go back to them and just
0: ground yourself in that reality. And that's available at westgatechurch slash unseen dash resources. So people yeah, can access there. Yeah, and just there.
2: go there. And, and if you're sitting there and you're going, you know what? I, I, it's not really my thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, it will be I mean, at some point, yeah. at some point you, you, well, you, you're exposed to the spiritual realities of some of the things that are going on. You may be more interested in it well. Let's, be better Well Let's time. ground
0: ourselves in this because, um, there was a quote I read this week from John Tyson, who is a great author and, and a, and a pastor. He said, and it reminded me of both of you as you were prepping this week, right? It said, there's a long and well-documented tradition of wisdom in the Christian faith that any venture into leadership, whether by laity or clergy is hazardous. It's necessary there there be leaders, but woe to those who become leaders. That's actually a quote from Eugene Peterson, shared by John Tyson. It reminded me that when you enter into this battle, bullets start whizzing around. So let's talk real briefly about how you guys have experienced both pastor pastorally and personally these three realms: accuser, uh, uh, the tempter, and then liar. Do you, what order do you want to go in? I don't.
2: Well, let me do um, let me do the accuser because I just had a. Uh, this past week, an experience where I wake up earlier than I normally do. This happened to you this week? This happened to me this past week. I wake up to more early, earlier than I normally do with this keen, very visceral, emotional sense of discouragement and disappointment in myself and um, weird memories from college that just flooded into my head, and and I I just had to ask myself, wait, what? Where do these thoughts come from? I mean, you don't. I mean, I'll go th- several years without an experience like this, where they're just
0: very vivid. You're talking about deep disc- accusations yeah, against wow.
2: who I am as a man and and who I've become and how disappointing I am, um, and they. They are just, I, I just, I look at that and I go, okay, wait. This is not based on a factual experience of who I am. It's not based on my identity and what's consistent in my character. If that is true, and yet I'm still experiencing it like this, and this may be a weird conclusion for some people who are listening, they may just go, oh, woo, what about, what's Clifford doing? I just. Uh, I just determined it must be spiritual. Mm-hmm. And it's not from the father. Right. Because the accusations he makes against me are not general in nature. There are times when he comes to me and says, When you spoke there, you spoke harshly or you spoke something that wasn't true you built yourself up you made yourself look he speaks very specifically to things you're saying god god does with your but cons, these yeah. were not those kinds of things these were the general accusations you're a, you're a turd you're a sorry guy you know you're yeah. you, you're 65 years old and you're not any better now than you were when you were 25 and and these weird accusations i believe were just the a manifestation let me be careful here but they were a manifestation of evil attacking me
0: And with accusations in this case, and lies, with accusations Accusations and and lies lies. about who I was. And so,
2: what did I do? I began first to recite scripture. Mm -hmm. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If any man is in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not me, but Christ lives in me. And this life I live now in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. I mean I could go on and on. I just I and I literally just who just started reciting scripture that I have that I had in my memory. And then I just decided I'm gonna intentionally st- start praying for people. Yeah. I'm just gonna start and, and so I've got some friends who are going through a really hard time. Their son is has some cancer and he's there it's a struggle. Um, some other folks who are going through some transitions that I wanted to pray for. Some other folks that are that are a church in town that doesn't have a campus and and they're looking for a building. An, another pastor that I know and love really dearly who's looking to try to hire somebody else. And I just bam bam bam, and I and I just felt the the lies and the attack and the accusations melt away. Mm-hmm. I just and I just and I just like weirdly said Jesus out loud as yeah. much as I could. Right. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah. because that's my, my authority is not in my job or my title or my, how old I am or how much scripture I can memorize and recite. My authority is in who, who I am in Jesus Christ and who he is over me. And so I just very particular, this, this reality mm-hmm. manifests itself sometimes in my life Preaching on the Satan is one of those. I'm sure Karina's experienced the same kinds of things where, um, you know, as you, as you give yourself to exposing lies, then you're going to, in that process, be susceptible to being exposed to lies. Yeah. Ex- so when you bring truth, you're, you, ex- you know, it's almost like if you're going to help people, you got to go in the hospital. Well, you're exposing yourself to germs. Mm-hmm. And it, as we talk about this, you expose yourself to the reality that there, there is an accuser and um, not necessarily I don't believe him personally, but his demonic forces
0: um, accused me. So we're talking and this is you've shared this before, like weird, deep discouragement. Yeah. That comes out of nowhere that's deeply discouraging. Yeah, so I, I, that's I, like a, been a thing that you've kind of that's a common attack against Steve Clifford, would you say?
2: It is. There are other times when I'm just I'm really afraid. I wake up and I'm super afraid and I don't know why I'm afraid afra- afraid.
0: That surprises me. You know, I you, don't
2: fear is not a normal part right. of, my, that's not, uh, of my mindset, but there are times when I wake up at night and I don't want to freak people out, but I I have the experience that I, I feel like I'm in the presence of something that wants to harm me. Mm-hmm. And I just begin to speak Jesus over that whatever whether it was a dream or whether it's this whatever it is. I am not I don't even try to understand it. But fear I and just,
0: discouragement are too when when those things are pinging, redlining, you know. Yeah. Let me go now, to Jesus. Let's pray. Let's get back let to Let me
2: say this. There are times to be afraid. Of course. But when there's fear and there's no apparent reason. Yeah. That's weird. Like that's, a general, strange vague that's strange we, yeah, for me. Yeah. There are times to be discouraged. There's time there's times when things are hard. <laughs> and when I can just name, well, I'm discouraged because, you know, bam, you know. Yeah. Um that's one thing. I don't yeah. blame demons on my car breaking down and me feeling discouraged because I'm stranded. Yeah. Uh, that's not what I'm saying here. I'm uh, these are these are times in my life when i can't seem to trace it back to a a, a understandable cause then i i start to ask is is there a chance that this is in the spiritual realm
0: yeah karina we've talked about this a lot but do do you have do you have similar experiences with um either the accusing the accuser identity the liar identity or the um wait did i mess it up Accus- liar, liar, tempter, ac- liar, accuser. Liar, tempter, yeah, accuser. Yeah.
1: Uh, all of the above. <laughs> all of the above. One thing I'll say, you know, when it comes to accusation that's been really helpful for me to discern is really um, understanding the nuanced difference between conviction and condemnation, which is huge. Uh, you know, as Jesus is describing the role of the Holy Spirit in our life, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is conviction, That we're not living without any sort of sin barometer. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit's like, hey, you know, Karina, that was pretty prideful, what you just said. And yeah, bring yourself down a notch or whatever. But the way that the Holy Spirit speaks to me through conviction is so utterly different than the way that Satan will use accusation, condemnation. Condemnation is more a voice that says, instead of you've done something wrong, it's you
0: are, are wrong. wrong. The entire yes. personhood of you is... You are, yeah.
1: because of this thing you've done, you are now unlovable, unworthy. God is disappointed in you. You should not, anytime you feel like whatever this feeling is, is pushing me away from God's presence. You think of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? They they sin, and mm-hmm. in, in their feeling of shame and condemnation, they distance themselves and hide from God, and they fashion At you know, these, these yeah. leaves to hide themselves. Yeah. Anytime your um, internal uh, reaction is shame, hiding, distance, self-hatred, and loathing, mm-hmm. that 100% of the time is satan and not god yeah the holy spirit wants to use conviction as a way to draw us nearer to god like hey that wasn't the most loving thing in the world come close to Jesus, abide in Jesus so that he can transform you and make you a more loving person, yeah. a kinder person, a more patient person, a more generous person, so the Holy Spirit's drawing you near where Satan is pulling you further away. It, it, it,
2: typically, we don't do guilt well in our, in our culture, but when you have guilt, when you feel guilty, and you've, you're have you actually guilty, yeah. that's conviction. Yeah, That's actually, that's healthy. When you're wrong... And you feel bad that you that you were wrong. That's conviction. That, but this this is this weird stuff of I feel guilty, but I haven't done it. I can't I can't put my finger on anything that really brought it about. That's yeah. that's not that's a neurosis or, or There's something else going if, on.
1: Even if you've done something wrong, you know God's desire is, hey, son, daughter, you did something wrong. Let's fix that. Yeah. Whereas Satan's like you know what? You did something wrong. That's irredeemable. It's unforgivable. You should just go hide yourself in a pit and not come anywhere close to God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Really, Good. really different posture. Um, I, I think I've shared this in one of our past podcast uh, lies, uh, especially in the beginning of my journey, were uh, a really big hurdle for me to overcome as feel like the whole tape of my mind, my thoughts about God and myself and the world around me were erroneous, really wrong thinking from a very wrong, broken life. Um, and so a big part of coming to faith in Jesus was rewriting those tapes. Like, who is God? Who am I in this world? Mm-hmm. Who are these other people? And what, what does everything mean? And then these lies would come up again and again. And I was like, overwhelmingly terrified of these lies. And, um, within the first year of faith, I learned a very practical spiritual practice regarding the lies. Um, it was scary for me. I was afraid to say the lies out loud. I felt like it made it more true Mm. if I said it out loud, but the practice is actually to write the lie down on a piece of paper. And I was so scared the first time I had to do it. Like, Mm. like, um,
0: like, you, you, Karina, you're messed up, and you'll always be messed up, and exactly. no one's gonna, ever going to like you, or exact, something like that.
1: Exactly, exactly. A million of those. And then, back then, we didn't have Google. This is uh, 1994. Uh, so I had-
0: Pre-internet a, days.
1: Pre-internet. So I had the Concordance. Did
0: you have a puffy a puffy pen and some paper?
1: I a puffy. I I don't know. I don't, that seems I like a 1994 thing. I was a goth. We don't have pop, <laughs> puffy pens when you're gothic. It was black. I had a black pen with black, black. paper. <laughs> 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 um, and uh, so I'd look up in the concordance. You know what verses? Because I was brand new to the Bible. I was just just reading through the Bible for the first time, and I'd look up in the concordance and I'd write down maybe three or four verses over on top of the lie until I couldn't see the lie anymore. And what would happen you is you literally
0: write over. I'd write ro- oh, over that's the top,
1: and then I'd start to memorize those three, or th- three or four verses. And that lie, like if it came up again later, because Satan only has a few tricks up his sleeve, when the lie would pop up again later, I already had three or four I verses. I know this one. I, I know, know this, this one. one. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and for yeah. sure, one of them has always been for me: "All in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, everything has become made new." Yeah. Take that, suckle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Steve. Uh, um, just any any parting words for folks, and oh, I'll continue with Karina after this. But okay. Steve, any 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 words as people kind of exit out of this, um, things that you've learned or encouragement you can have for, for folks as they as well, they I, enter into I, just this? just looking
2: back over some of the things that we talked about on the weekend. He is a, Satan is a con- conquered enemy. That is that is absolutely clear from the scriptures. Um, and he is under a perpetual curse; it's never been removed, and it, and it will be fulfilled and laid out. And that curse will lead to him being cast and finally destroyed in the lake of fire. And then, as believers, we don't fight for victory; we fight from victory. That there, there's all kind of weirdness, and, and depending on your background, there's all kinds of different directions that you could go. But I would, I would plead with you to allow the scriptures to guide your. Your instruction in this area, I just don't think. I don't think you typically. I'd say, oh, just Google it and go. I don't think mm-hmm. you can trust Google on this. I think you've got to you've got to lean into the scriptures and base things on truth. Both of our stories you just heard. I started repeating verses I've memorized. She started writing over memor uh, verses on a piece of paper that actually became memory work for her, so that now Second Corinthians five seventeen can pop into her mind on a moment's notice, lean hard into the scriptures. Um, That is where the kind of wisdom and strength that will really serve
0: you well is going to be found. Mm, That's great. Well, Steve, Karina, thank you guys for sharing on this weird topic, um, but very important and practical as well. And we're going to get into next week, we're going to talk about how uh, the, the lies part, how lies are the primary weapon of Satan and how those lies can deform us, and they can become tyrannical. And then we're going to talk about how they can even get embedded in culture. So we're going to continue on in that. And then and then in their final week, we're gonna, Steve, you, and Jerry are going to talk about the armor of God, which yeah. is exciting, and how we can actually not yeah, once you be get that, victorious, but are victorious. Hang on for the fourth week, because then
2: you realize just what a strong,
0: yeah how great God has provided for us yes, in yes. terms of strength. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for c- coming in. Appreciate you guys. Awesome Welcome. to be here. All right, talk to you soon. Just want to say thanks to Karina and Steve for stopping by. Always awesome talking to you guys. And remind me not to get in a UFC cage fight with either of you. I'm sure I'd lose and lose quickly. Join us next week where we're going to be looking at one particular aspect of Satan's tactics, and that's lies. We're going to be looking at lies and how lies actually can enslave us And we don't so much believe lies as live them out. That's a powerful idea we're going to be examining next week. Jake Kim will be stopping by to join us for week three of Unseen. So until then, we'll see you soon. Steve had to jump out, so uh, we're going to continue on with Karina here. Um, Is there anything else that, as you were studying this, kind of jumped out at you? First of all, I, I guess I... The tempter part, the lie part, makes a yeah, lot of sense yeah, to me, yeah. and so does the um, the thief and the murderer, mm-hmm. um, and the accuser makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. that deals with shame and lies and identity. Talk to me about tempter. Is it, is there anything that you found with the tempter part? Is it to tempt us away from allegiance to God? Is it tempting to, for us to? That's kind of how I understand it. How do you how do you understand the word tempter? Because a lot of times it's just like oh, don't have a donut. It's got to be more than just yeah. breaking your diet. Do you know what
1: I mean? Yes. So I actually, I really like the line that's repeated through Live No Lies uh, by John Mark Comer, yes. which is also about spiritual warfare. Um, it's on a resource page. It's a, it's a very Great helpful book. book. And he repeats this phrase every time, which I've not memorized by heart, but it's along the lines of Satan's primary strategy is the use of lies, which prey upon... Uh, the weakness of our human flesh, which is then normalized in a sinful society. Um, I'd say that's pretty close, actually. Pat on the back. Yeah, no, it is. Um, <clears throat> so, so it's actually two things kind of working in tandem. It's It all actually goes back to Genesis 3, right? Did Did God really say—and we see it again with Satan and Jesus in the desert— If you really are the son of God, so it's um, often lies which appeal to the weakness of my flesh, and usually it's along the lines of, "Okay, here's the thing." When and this is where culture has done us a real disservice, and I would say actually Satan has used these cultural phenomenon to um, get us off guard about uh, about Satan. So there's a interesting documentary right now called "The How the Devil Got His Horns," and it's about um, kind of the history of literature and art and how this character of Satan has like been in the Middle Ages? created. Middle Ages, yeah. absolutely. That's that's uh, Dante's Inferno sure. is a big uh, part of it. But even just cartoons and sure. whatever has created this like false worldview of who the devil is. And if who th- that's who the devil is, either he's like a cool party animal and I kind of want to go to hell so I can like listen to rock and roll and drink beer, or um, he's like.
0: But if you're in beer, if you're in hell, if you're in hell, the beer is probably going to be like Pabst Blue-, warm, Blue Ribbon,
1: warm beer, warm beer,
0: warm Pabst Blue Ribbon. <laughs> that would be, that's what the beer is. Anyway, go there, ahead.
1: There you go. That so, doesn't
0: sound very good. But anyway, it's like uh, Satan's a frat guy, or
1: right? But there's he's this really sobering verse, and this is more accurate about the Satan, is that he disguises himself as an angel of light. Look, if Satan came out and he was like, "Hey, I've got." horns and I'm red and I got this pointy tail with a pitchfork. We'd all be like, oh no, Satan, let's avoid that guy. But that's not what's happening. Or
0: if he showed up like the xenomorph, the alien, and it was like super hella scary, you know. There you he'd go. Be like, You'd be like, oh, oh, run! Run away! But,
1: but that's not how it goes down. In fact, this... Um, description of Satan, this is not his name, but as the morning star, this deceptive light. Um, And in fact, we used this video clip this Sunday from the cartoon Nemo, which is like so funny. Uh, Whenever I teach Alpha, I always tell uh, my Alpha friends in week eight, we talk about the Satan. And I always tell them, there's this amazing movie that has the most visceral, visceral like metaphor of what Satan looks like in real life. And then I start to play the video and it's Nemo and they all start laughing because they're like, what, Nemo? Pixar, Funny Nemo. What? Yeah. How is this about the Satan? Um, but there's a scene where, and I forget his name, the dad. Marlin. Marlin is down With in the Dory. the deepest yeah. part of the ocean. Yeah, well, it's the dark, very dark zone.
0: Yeah, the dark. Yeah. And
1: there's this fish called the angler, and, and and this fish actually exists in real life. And he's got this little doodad hanging off his forehead. That's yeah, the anglerfish. This yeah. beautiful little orb of light. And they see that orb of light, and it's the things they say when they see it that fascinate me. Ooh, that looks beautiful. I want to touch it. I'm feeling happy. And and those sorts of things, like Satan disguising himself as an angel of light, meaning this is going to actually look beautiful and appealing to you. And that's what we see in Genesis 3. She saw the fruit, and it was looked good to the eye. It looked like it was going to be tasty. It looked visually attractive to me. And so Satan using his lies appeals to the weakness of my flesh. Mm. It's it's. Um, the appeal of me to not rely on God for what only God can give me and try to resource that on my own, this will make me happy. This will give me peace. This will make me feel financially secure. This will give me physical pleasure. This will fill in the blank. If I fill in that blank with anything other than God— it is this angel of light who is using lies to act upon the weakness of my flesh to have my needs met by something or someone other than God. So it's actually like the two in tandem, lies and Temptation, which is rooted in the weakness of my flesh, and, I,
0: it, and it reminds me that lies and accusations also go together. So there, it, it is all Venn yeah, diagramming. Very Absolutely. interesting. Yeah, yeah.
1: There's this passage. I think it's in Jeremiah where it says, I, "I hold two things against you. You you have turned against the living water, and you have dug cisterns for yourself that could hold no water at all." And it's like how I long to give you those things, and yet you, like, I could have given you like what you wanted most, what you needed most in this world, and yet you, you tried this this other thing, and it, it can't hold anything for you. It's so temporary. It's so unsatisfying. You know that song. I can't get no satisfaction. That that is where we find. If you follow all those things to end of, to the end of themselves. Let's say, okay, I, I live following only my physical pleasure, whether that be with food or drugs or alcohol or sex. At the end of that road, you will still always find yourself bitterly empty and hollow inside. So it's this this lie, like, if you come down this road, this is how you'll find pleasure and satisfaction and it's not true. At the end of that yeah. road, you will find yourself more hurting and hollow and empty than you've ever been in your life. Mm. And it turns you away from the one who is the source of all the things that your heart really wants in life.
0: It reminds me of a story of um, two authors, Joseph Heller and Kurt Vonnegut, who are famous authors in the 20th century. And they were at a party at some incredibly, incredibly wealthy, lavish businessman in the Hamptons where we're talking like, this is great Gatsby kind of party. This is Wolf of wall street kind of party, no expense spared. Everyone famous there. It's just incredible. And at one point Vonnegut turns to Heller and who wrote catch 22 and says, this guy made today more money than you made in the last 30 years. And he said it kind of jokingly, like, Mm -hmm. This is what it means to be an author. Aren't you glad you're an author? <laughs> you're, you're a pauper. And Heller looks at him, and again, authors, incredible students of human nature. That's what both of these men were. And uh, Heller says to him, yes, but I have something that this man will never have. And Vonnegut's like, what? And he goes, enough. Yeah. And that's just always kind of, I think with God, it's an invitation to always have enough. With God, we always have enough. With God, there's always enough. Whatever that means, even if we feel like we lack, we don't. Even if we feel like we don't have, we do. And so that's kind of the invitation, I think, is to... Absolutely.
1: And, you know, it's so funny because I think Christians have a tendency to um, overemphasize the evils of sin. (laughs) What I mean by that is, like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, you looked at pornography, you're a horrible person, you should be made right with God. Absolutely, that is a horrible thing. That is a horrible thing. It's, it's a soul-destructive thing. But first of all, one, uh, Steve says this very often, those who are in Christ, it's no longer actually really a sin issue. Sin has been dealt with. But, but what it has to do with is the hunger underneath the hunger right? Someone's addiction to pornography really is a revelation of some deeper thirst and hunger for love and intimacy and to feel acknowledged and and noticed and cared for. And so I think part of it is, uh, (laughs) you know, Paul would say, hey, just because there's grace, should we sin all the more? No, Uh, the invitation is to be set free from the bondage of sin by the indwelling Holy Spirit. But um, maybe paying attention to where uh, the Satan is pressing upon your natural temptations, because everyone's is going to be different. I'm going to struggle in different areas from you. But um, kind of paying attention, St. Ignatius would encourage us Mm -hmm. to pay attention, um, and maybe that's a daily reflection, something like,
0: um, like, what's underneath the, the thing? examine?
1: Yes. Yeah. What's underneath the thing? Yeah. What does this reveal about where I'm yeah. feeling lack? And then having really honest conversations with God, not only about being sanctified and being set free from the temptation of sin, but but the
0: deeper stuff that yeah.
1: the, the temptation for the sin, I think is more resolved by having the deeper need met by Christ for sure. instead of just staying on the surface of, I'm struggling Behavior- with porn yeah, behavioral yeah, yeah. management. Yeah. Let's go deeper than that. Like what's what is really going what's on really here? going yeah. on? Maybe something's going on in my marriage. Maybe something's going on with past trauma where, you know, I need a special, you know, level of healing or whatever. I think God wants to take us deeper and draw us nearer to him. And Satan's just keeping us real satisfied on a surface level of just like doing the yo-yo between, oh, I messed up. Oh, I asked for forgiveness. You know, instead of going like, oh, wow, God actually wants to take me way further than I've ever been before.
0: Yeah, that's great stuff. Well, thanks, Karina, for that. Wait, I've already said thanks, so I guess— uh Thank you again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Continue. Thanks.